from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that presents interviews of ordinary people who choose the Baha'i faith as a way of life. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today, I'm playing a telephone interview with Jackie Tobias a Baha'i from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Jackie grew up in Michigan and moved to Florida when she was 29. It was in Florida that Jackie discovered the Baha'i faith, but it took her nine years before she got the courage to officially identify herself as a Baha'i. I started the interview by asking Jackie to describe where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. Well, I grew up in Michigan, in the southern part, in Battle Creek. Well, it was wonderful because it was a very different time than it is today. We had freedom to wander and grow and develop, uh, you know, pretty much on our own as children. We were free to come and go in the neighborhood. We knew all the neighbors and all the kids and went to lovely schools and had good school friends and chums. And uh, we didn't have the concerns and worries that children face today in the world. It was a time of real freedom and joy. How long did you grow up in that area? I lived there for 29 years before I moved to Florida. What was school like? What was family life like? Well, I came from a pretty large family. There were five children. I was the youngest of five. There were, uh, I had uh, three older sisters and an older brother. And my father and mother, we were, I suppose you could say, um, it was a depression years in my early years, so... I suppose you could say we were lower middle class, but we never had to go without food or shelter, and we loved to sing. My family was a family of singers, and everybody could harmonize but me. (laughs) (laughs) So I always sang the lead, and everybody else did the harmony. And, of course, we grew up in the days of radio, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that was our main source of entertainment and enjoyment. Mm -hmm. It was a wonderful time, really. That kind of kind of ended for me as a child when World War II came along. Mm. It made a difference in our lives, brought a little anxiety and a difference. My brother went into the service, and we were aware that the world was changing. Mm. So what was school like for you? Well, I loved school. I loved my teachers. I loved going to school. I was always happy when... I loved summer vacation, but was always happy when... Uh, uh, school started again in the fall, mm-hmm. and I did well in school. I, I was a good student. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I still am a student. Yeah, you're still a student. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what were your interests growing up? Well, as I say, music. I wasn't educated in music other than, you know, that we enjoyed all kinds of music in, in my home. Mm-hmm. I like drama and literature. I love to read. 
I can remember going to the library as a very young girl. So I've read all my life. Those were my, my interests. Mm-hmm. What did you do after high school? What did I do after high school? Yeah. I got married. Okay, right after high school? Yes, I graduated in uh, June, mm-hmm. and I got married in October. Okay. So I, I started a whole new life right after school. Mm-hmm. So tell me about who you married. Well, I married this handsome young man that I was madly in love with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still am, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a I had a wonderful courtship. Mm-hmm. Just so much fun and mm-hmm. enjoyment. Yeah. We were together for forty six years until he passed away. Mm. So, what was married life like? Well, how can I describe married life? Yeah. I remember. Uh, I think my husband was much wiser than me. Mm-hmm. He was only uh, a year and a half older, but he had been in the service during the World War II and had a little more wisdom, He uh, a little more uh, experience in the world. I can remember one thing very clearly, and I never forgot. We were newly married. We were at the kitchen sink doing the dinner dishes, and we were visiting and talking, and I said, you know, honey, I, I have a, I have a um, habit of maybe being a little... Um, domineering. Mm-hmm. I think that was the word I used. And here was this man that I loved, and he had always been so sweet and kind and loving to me. And he turned and looked at me and gave me a very hard look. And he says, well, don't try to domineer me. <laughs> <laughs> I never forgot that. That was my first lesson in um, consultation <laughs> and learning yeah. to, um, to respect the other person. Right. Feelings and dignity. Yeah. So did you have any children? Had two children, had two sons. Mm-hmm. Soon after you got married? No. My first child was, I'd been married five years when my first child was born. Mm-hmm. And then within 17 months, I had my second child. Now, were you working up to that point, or were you a stay-at-home housewife? No, I was. Uh, I worked oh, probably the first few months we were married, and then I decided I didn't want to work anymore, and my husband didn't care, so I was a stay-at-home wife, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. yeah. So you were a full-time mom until your kids grew up? Well, my children were pre uh, well, just into their teens, when um, my husband went into business in a uh, pet shop, mm-hmm. he had to work very hard, and he was really getting very tired and exhausted. And I said, I've got to go help your father to the to the boys. Mm. So I started uh, going in part-time, and eventually it went to full-time. Mm. So uh, during their uh, teen years, uh, I worked with him in the store. Mm-hmm. But it was a wonderful gift because, you know, my children came to the store after school, and they worked there with us because there's a lot of work in a pet shop, a lot mm. of cleaning and feeding and things like that to do. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful experience. We we really had a nice, warm family bonding there because we worked together to make a living and to keep a roof over our heads, and they knew what their father and mother did to do that mm-hmm. and were part of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful experience, very much of a bonding for the family. Yeah. They did that until they graduated from high school and went on to college. Mm. So what happened to the pet business? Oh, well, it was very successful, and then mm. it was sold, and uh, my husband went on to different things. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I went on to open my own grooming salon, mm-hmm. animal grooming. Mm-hmm. And I had that for uh, oh, probably about two, four years. And then I uh, was burned in a house fire. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about that. Well, I suffered burns over 40% of my body. Mm-hmm. And I was in the hospital for about seven weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I came home and I made a very good recovery. Now, is this your house? It was my home, yes. And how did it start? Well, my little grandson was visiting. His parents had gone to Wisconsin, and he was staying with my husband and me. He went to daycare. And so I was washing his clothes, and I didn't notice, but there apparently he came home with crayons in his pocket, and they melted in the dryer and ruined his pants. Mm-hmm. So I got out a little can, a coffee can, and put about an inch of gasoline in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boom, kaboom. Really? <laughs> I caused an explosion in my utility room. Well, what caused the combustion? Well, the washer and dryer were uh, working. And, you know, when the, uh, the uh, cycle changes, it, the... the it stops, and then it starts up again on the machine, mm-hmm. you know, on the washer. Mm-hmm. Say it's on wash, and then it goes to rinse. rinse. And when it started up again, it, the, there was a little arc. Oh my and God. Uh, the fumes oh were uh, it caused it to uh, explode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I was uh, very fortunate to come through that. But it was a, it was a great learning experience because... I really had God in my life, mm. and he was my support all through that. Right. Plus, of course, my family and friends. It was a wondrous thing to experience something like that and know that you could do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You could that get you through could it. you could find the strength and the support through your faith to do right. it. Speaking of which, what was religious life for you growing up? Well, I was raised as an Episcopalian. But our church was what you call downtown. We lived in the, more in the suburbs. And uh, we didn't have a car when I was growing up, so it was difficult to get to our church. So um, I went to the little Mennonite church, which was in the neighborhood with very, my neighbors. Very different from Episcopalian. Well, yes, it was. But it was a loving experience, mm-hmm. and I never forgot it, and I enjoyed it. And then as I grew older and I could, uh, you know, take public transportation, I would go down to my own church downtown. I enjoyed my church. Church was a part of your life all through your childhood and high school. Yes. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I, I remember uh, my high school was close to the church. And uh, I remember when I was in high school, I would go on Good Friday. And, of course, you go to church and you sit there for three hours if you can, you know, on, on Good Friday. Mm. I would do that. Every year that I was uh, in high school, mm. I felt uh, very close to my, to my faith. Now, how do you account for your deep religious faith? Oh, well, I think I give a lot of credit to my mother and father. They weren't steady churchgoers because of the difficulty in getting to our church, as I explained before. But they raised us with the love of God and uh, ethics and morals. I don't know. I just I was one of those kids that was attracted to it. Mm. When I was young, I can remember I said to myself, 
well, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through. That, you know, that was the kind of mentality I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was drawn to it. So it isn't surprising that, that I grew up and always was attracted to the spiritual aspects of life. Mm-hmm. You had your own pet grooming business. Was that still in... Uh... No, no, that was all in Florida. When I came to Florida, I was, what, 27, 28 years old. Okay, so what were the circumstances of you moving to Florida? Well, my uh, in-laws lived here. My uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law had come here years before because of his health. So they lived here permanently. Well, they, they, they went back and forth to Michigan in the, in the summer and winter. And when their son, my husband, and I got married, then they decided to live here permanently because then they wouldn't have to, you know, come back for him. We had been married about 10 years, and we loved Florida, and we used to come here on vacation, and we'd come visit his folks, and we just decided we wanted to live in Florida. Mm-hmm. So we just sold everything and moved here. And what was your husband doing at the time before you moved? My husband was an agent for a Standard Oil Company. Mm-hmm. He had his own bulk station in uh, western Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, I was still uh, a homemaker. Uh, the kids were how old? Oh, probably about two and a half and three and a half, four. Mm-hmm. They were still very small. So when you moved to Florida, what did your husband do? Well, uh, the first thing he did was he bought a uh, surface station because he'd been in, you know, gasoline business and oil business for years. He had that for about a year, and then uh, it didn't work out very well. He, it was It turned out to be a poor location, and he sold it. And after that, it was very difficult to find work in Florida. Florida was a state that hadn't really developed very far at that point. That was back in uh, the 50s. And there weren't a lot of jobs. There were construction jobs, things like that, but not too many jobs unless you had a specific talent, you know, like a school uh, professional, like school teacher or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he had a number of jobs through the years, but he ended up with... Um, the sheriff's department, and became a, a deputy sheriff, and he loved it. Mm-hmm. And he did that for how long? Uh, he did that for about uh, 15 years. And then what happened after that? Uh, well, then he passed away. He was with the sheriff's department when he passed away. Oh, I see. And what... it was funny because my youngest son was a police officer right out of school, college, and my older boy, uh, he became a police officer when he graduated from college. So my husband said, well, I'm going to follow my boy's profession. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And uh, they all enjoyed uh, law enforcement very Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. Are they both still in law enforcement? No, my oldest boy still is. He's deputy sheriff. Mm -hmm. He's getting ready to retire. Mm -hmm. And my youngest son uh, gave it up about 15 years ago and became a, uh, a nurse. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So you see, they were all in uh, a serving, right. serving position. Yeah. I always liked that, that they had worked that served mankind. Yeah. So what were the circumstances that your husband passed away? He uh, developed lung cancer. Mm. And within a year of the diagnosis, he was gone. I wow, that was fast. Now, my husband uh, had never formally become a member of my faith. Mm-hmm. And before he died, he did. 
So tell me about how you ran into the Baha'i faith. Oh, that was such an interesting thing because I, I was invited by my new neighbor who moved in next door. She moved to another house and she said, come to my home and uh, we'd, we'd become friendly and she'd live there about a year maybe. And this was right after I moved to Florida. And she said, my husband's business partner and his wife are moving here from St. Lucia and I want you to meet her. So she said, come for lunch. So I went to her house for lunch. In walked this beautiful young woman, and she was dressed so lovely, and she had a scarf that kind of trailed behind her as she walked. And as I was introduced to her, she embraced me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. Now, in all my almost 30 years, I had never been introduced to anybody and been embraced and kissed <laughs> and and I loved it it was just wonderful she was so dynamic and so alive and so loving and that was my introduction to Baha'i she was a Baha'i Baha'i I ever met mm-hmm. she moved in to the house next door to me that my neighbor had left mm-hmm. so she became my neighbor she mm-hmm. and her husband and uh, their son they're still alive and living in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction to the Baha'i faith when you first heard about it? Well, she had this beautiful decoration on her living room wall. It was beautiful wood, and it was this cutout. And I, I said to her, what does that signify? What does that mean? And she told me that it was Baha'u'llah's greatest name. Well, that didn't mean anything to me. So when I went home that evening and my husband came home from work, I said, oh, I said, I went over to visit our neighbors today. And I said, guess what? I said, they're Jewish. <laughs> he said, how do you know that? And I said, well, she had something on her wall that was the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could connect it to. And it was uh, just pure love. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then uh, she became very good friends uh, with me, and mm-hmm. we prayed together, and we did everything together. She took me to Miami one night, my husband and I. Mm-hmm. We heard Bill Sears speak. What a wonderful, wonderful introduction. We were really blessed. Well, for our listeners, tell us why Bill Sears talk was so influential to you. He was uh, telling us about a new book he had just written that night. He was telling us that night. And it was called, oh my gosh, isn't that awful? It was about the, the, the Baha'i Revelation and how it related to Christian prophecy and everything. Thief in the Night? Thief in the Night, yes. He had, that was just being published. Mm-hmm. And he was in, in Miami, and so he was giving a talk to the Baha'is who wanted to come and hear about it. Mm. And he was telling us about his new book. Mm. So that was an exciting time and a wonderful memory. Yeah. But after that, I just was very uh, interested in the faith and very intrigued. And, you know, I've spent the rest of my life, as I say, I love to read, I love to study, and experienced a wonderful change in my life because I, I found God through the Baha'i faith. When you say you found God through the Baha'i faith, didn't you already have found God? Not to the extent that I did through the teachings of Baha'u'llah. You see, Baha'u'llah came at a time when the world had really begun to change 
and everything was moving at such an accelerated pace, and all of these things were happening. Uh, when I look back at my life, the technological changes and the material changes that have, uh, have happened have been, well, it, it boggles the mind. If anybody had been told these things would happen, you know, uh, 200 years ago, they wouldn't believe it. I've lived through a time of tremendous change. What Baha'u'llah brought was the knowledge of why this change was happening, how to live with it, how to appreciate it, how to bring it to the attention of other people, and how to understand its purpose. And that's what happened because with my Christianity, it was make myself a better person. You know, it was redo myself. But with Baha'u'llah, it was make yourself a better person so that you can make a better world. And I gained a world vision with the Baha'i teachings, which I did not have with Christianity, which may not be the feelings of Christianity. I might have been my own understanding. But that was the great difference. With Baha'i, I became a world citizen. Hmm. Were there any obstacles for you in making that transition from Christianity to the Baha'i faith? Only in my mind. I put up my own barriers. I, I was afraid that my mother would be upset if I changed religions. That concerned me a great deal. I was still quite young, you know, and I was just turned 30, not quite 30, when I discovered the Baha'i faith. I really was attracted to my mother and wanted to be on good terms with her and didn't want to cause any fissures in the family. And that really was in my own mind because when I finally did become officially a Baha'i and introduced her to the faith, she thought it was wonderful. <laughs> so that was another lesson learned. So what was it that made you decide that you were going to be become a Baha'i regardless of your mother's reaction? Well, I'll tell you, when I moved to Florida, and I wanted to come here very badly, I loved living in Florida, but I suffered a period of a loss of a sense of security and self. I didn't make the change within myself very well. In other words, my security was still back in Michigan. That's where I felt secure, and in Florida, I was kind of at a loss. I had my in-laws here, but I didn't have any friends, I didn't have any church group. I tried to join a church group. I tried to, you know, find roots here, and it was very difficult for me. And I had a very difficult period of time where there was no place for me to go except to God. And I remember I used to go to bed at night, and I would say every night before I went to sleep, I would say to myself the quote from the Bible, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. And after I became a Baha'i, I discovered this beautiful quote in the writings of Baha'u'llah where he said, love me that I may love thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. Know this, O servant. And that was my story. i Really, I had to reach out to God, and in reaching out to Him for assistance and help, I discovered this wonderful love for Him. And then Baha'u'llah came into my life after that, 
it was after that that I, I uh, met my neighbor and was introduced to the faith. Mm. So how did becoming a Baha'i change your life? Oh, well, how can I? I don't even know how to express it. It, it was an entirely different life. I lived in a different world. It was a world of joy, the capacity to uh, overcome difficulties, understanding other people. Uh, everything changed in my life. Everything changed. My capacity to love was so enhanced. My family, I, I felt, I always loved my family, but it was, a, it was a different love. It was a stronger love, a deeper love. It can't have been maturity on my part, but I, I attribute it to my faith. Uh, everything changed. I became a different person, really. I found joy in everything. Very happy. Did family and friends notice the difference in you? Well, I'd always been kind of upbeat and happy. Maybe they didn't notice it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I knew within my very core that I was happier and different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that isn't obvious to other people as much as you know yourself, that you have experienced great changes in your life. I never had to make big changes in my life and the way I lived, because I'd always lived an upright life, what I would call a, a, a good life. I had tried to be righteous and just. But I knew in my heart and my thinking that I was a different person. Can you imagine what your life would have been like if you had not become a Baha'i? I wouldn't even want to think about it. I say that every day. Uh, I say that to my Baha'i friends. I think aren't we, we are so blessed. I know that my life would be nothing compared to what it is today. But, I really know that. Every sense of my being, yeah. But you can't picture what you might have been doing? At a, well, no, I can't, really, yeah. because for the last 50 years, I've been gradually moving into this lifestyle of being mm-hmm. a Baha'i. So you've been a Baha'i for 50 years? Well, I, I've, been, I've known about the Baha'i faith for 50 years. Mm-hmm. I've been a Baha'i for, officially, mm-hmm. you know, when I officially joined and became a member mm-hmm. For 41. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard about the Baha'i faith when I first moved here, of course. Yeah. So it took about nine years for you to actually commit to being a Baha'i? Well, we used to joke about me because I was very active in the Baha'i community, not, a, not being a, a, an official member. Mm-hmm. And I knew all the Baha'is, and I went to all the, the classes and the gatherings, and uh, I loved every minute of it. And uh, it was this fear that I had developed in my own mind, you know, about my family mm-hmm. that kept me from proclaiming my belief publicly mm-hmm. to my family, my, my mother. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing now, Jackie? Well, right now I'm uh, limited physically. I, I don't, I'm not as active as I used to be. I don't go to as many gatherings as I used to, but I am conducting or holding classes in my home once a week. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's once a week for one class and then every other week for another class. Mm-hmm. I'm working with the Ruhi Project, which is a project of stages of, of, of uh, classes that introduce you to the faith and then take you up 
gradually into a deeper, deeper understanding of the faith. Mm-hmm. Also, I am conducting classes on uh, Baha'i subjects in my home, which is just wonderful. I'm just having a wonderful time doing that. Now, what are the subjects that you're covering, covering in that regard? Well, we just finished a, a year-and-a-half class on uh, soul, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And about oh, a month or so ago, I started a new class, which is called Islam and the Baha'i Faith. Mm-hmm. In 50 words or less, what's the difference between soul, mind, and spirit? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all part of one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really are different. Mm-hmm. And that's what we discovered in uh, one of the things we discovered in our class. We discovered uh, through the teachings of Baha'u'llah the powers of the human soul. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because, you know, none of the other great religions really give you any information on the soul. They talk about the soul, and I think in Islam you might find the, the word soul mentioned once or twice. But Baha'u'llah expressed a lot of, uh, uh, gave us a lot of information upon the soul, and uh, so we have a greater understanding. We understand that we are souls with a body, not a body with a soul. And we also understand that the soul has powers of its own. The soul has the power of imagination, thought, understanding, and memory. And the mind is a part of the soul rather than the body. And we learn that the brain is an organ of the body, just like the heart or the liver, and that it communicates with the mind, which is a power of the soul. It's very, very interesting, mm-hmm. very enlightening and illuminating. And it gives people a, a, a much deeper, broader understanding of their reality mm-hmm. than they have from uh, previous religions because Baha'u'llah has come with all of this information for this age and this time, which is the maturity of mankind. And we have to be able to understand ourselves so that we can create this better world that we're working on. So the brain is an organ that allows the expression of the soul or mind to reveal itself to the world? Yes, uh-huh. It comes through, uh, uh, there is a, uh, a power which is called the common faculty in Baha'i teachings. It's kind of like a um, factory where you have a, a conveyor belt, and, uh, you know, you, you put thing, uh, something on one end and it travels down the conveyor belt and it comes out the other end and it's finished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a finished product. Now, that's the way it goes. Uh, the, the brain takes in the sensory uh, uh, senses from the material world, the sensory that you receive, and transports it to the, to the brain or the mind. And then the mind uh, has all of these powers of memory, thought, understanding, and it correlates it. And by the same pattern, these things go back out uh, through the common faculty to the brain and then are expressed through the physical self. It's really a a very modern understanding of man's reality. And as I understand it, should the brain get damaged for some reason, it has no impact on the solar... That's correct. That's as we understand it from the Baha'i teachings, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another wonderful thing is when 
if somebody is born into this world with a disability, say a, a, a mental disability, they may be retarded or have uh, autism or something like that, and they aren't functioning on a what we call a normal basis, mm-hmm. the, when they go to the next world after they live their life, none of that is, is there. It's all gone, and everything that they have experienced and gathered is there with them as, as in their soul and their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're in other words, they're whole in the next world. So, the so pr- it's another way of looking at impediments, mm-hmm. physical and mental impediments that people suffer in this world, and understanding that it's not a permanent thing. The soul will not be affected by it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the, the only thing that was damaged by that mental retardation or whatever is the brain itself, which is just an organ. That's right. That's right. But yeah. the soul and mind is still intact Function. and, and yeah. growing. Mm-hmm. It, growing and uh, progressing. And in the, we believe in life after death in mm-hmm. the next world. It will be in a more perfect condition. Now, where does spirit fall in? Well, spirit is the powers that move everything. Mm. There's, spirit is the, gives life to everything. There are different types of spirit that we talk about in the faith. There's the spirit of life. That is what gives us breath and motion. When we are created by God, he breathes the spirit of life into us. So spirit is a very powerful concept in religious teachings. The greatest spirit, of course, is the one that manifests itself from God to the prophet or manifestation, the one who brings a new religion and a new book. That is the most great spirit. And that is where God communicates with his manifestation to teach mankind. And these manifestations are Jesus, Buddha, Moses, Krishna, Muhammad. We call them manifestations because they manifest what man can understand of God. God being an unknowable essence to man, totally beyond our understanding. But for his knowledge and to reach us, he sends his knowledge down through the Spirit to his creation, a man. And that man is what we call a prophet or a manifestation. And he manifests those aspects of God that we can understand. He manifests the uh, wonderful qualities that we appreciate in God and try to bring forth in ourselves. Generosity, love, compassion, grace, all of these things that are, are wonderful attributes and qualities of the human man are really what we can understand of God. And when the, the good book says uh, he created us in his image, this is what he's telling us. He's telling us that he has given us this part of his image to reflect him. And that's what we aspire to do. That's what life is all about, learning to reflect the divine qualities of God that are inherent within humankind. And so the manifestation comes and he brings knowledge and he brings this understanding to humans and by doing so, he elevates them to a higher plane of existence. And if you study religious history, you can see how through the ages the different religions have come at different times in man's life, and each time it has elevated his 
social and spiritual qualities to a higher level. So you're saying you're you're now teaching a class on Islam or the relationship? Yes. What is exactly what, the class? The object of the class is to show the many, many prophecies in Islam and how they relate to the coming of Baha'u'llah. You know, uh, the Christian Bible is full of prophecies that Baha'is refer to that show the coming of uh, a great teacher in the time of the end. Uh, All of the religions, in fact, talk about the time of the end when the uh, the great world teacher will come. Uh, Baha'is believe this is who Baha'u'llah is. He is the fulfillment of prophecy in all of the major religions. So the object of our class is for us to understand how the last great religion which was revealed prior to the Baha'i faith was, of course, Islam. And in Islam are many, many prophecies which relate exactly to the coming of the Bab, who was the precursor of Baha'u'llah and a manifestation in his own right, and Baha'u'llah. So that's what we're studying now, so that we can understand the progression uh, of of religions and understand that religion is progressive and that it builds from Adam up through all of the manifestations and prophets to where we are today with Baha'u'llah. So you understand that the religion is progressive and reaches greater and greater understandings and distinction as as time passes man progresses in, in his growth. So you think this class will take a year and a half? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we really get into, we digress a lot, you know. <laughs> We're talking about that specific subject, but when you're talking about religion and the teachings of two great religions, you can digress quite easily and get off, but it's still all related to the concept of religion, spirituality, and understanding our relationship with God. Well, Jackie, thank you very much. This was very nice. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you, Warren. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jackie Tobias, a Baha'i in Fort Lauderdale. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
stared out the window the better part of a week. She'd lived her life through him for such a long time. When she looked inside herself, she wasn't sure what she'd find. She had to open the door a little wider now. She had to dig a little deeper inside her somehow. She walked into the fire, alone and scared stiff. Now she says his leaving was a strangely wrapped gift. Little Jamie's body has never worked right. He's never had the peace of sleeping straight through the night. His parents get weary and his parents get worn. Still, they always bless the day that little Jamie was born. He opens the door a little wider now, lifts them up a little higher somehow. It may look to the world like a 24-hour shift, but his folks know life with Jamie is just a strangely wrapped gift. What is it that we're really made of? How else will we ever know? Till the hand puts us. In the fire, do we burn or do we On my doorstep, looks sad and forlorn. The wrapping paper's faded; it's all tattered and torn. For a moment, I wonder what on earth it might be. Till I see the tag and realize it's made out to me. It's gonna open the door a little wider now. Lift me up a little higher somehow. I used to run like the blazes. Now I get the drift. Someone who loves me sent me a strangely wrapped gift. Someone who loves me. Someone who really, really. Someone who loves me sent me a strangely wrapped gift. 
reminds me The way it whispers on the breeze All this weight I carry around deep inside me Makes it harder to fly free So fly, little one, fly You're the answer to the prayers Of every saint that longed to die No earthly things on your clean, tiny wings Made only of virtue and the sky So fly, little one, fly
dedicate myself to thee. This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.